evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. On July 1st, 2019, a renowned Christian apologist went home to be with the Lord. His name, Dr. Norman Geisler. Dr. Geisler has mentored and inspired many of the contenders of the faith that serve currently, including our own host, Dr. Pat Zukran. Today's broadcast will be a little different as Pat and his guest, Doug Potter, talk about the life, ministry, and personal experiences they had with their mentor, Dr. Norman Geisler. We hope you enjoy this show. Now, here's our host, Pat Zukran. You're exactly right. I know of Dr. Geiser um, uh, being asked to review uh, books by other authors, and basically it turns out to the fact that Dr. Geiser ends up rewriting a lot of it for the author and gives it back to him. And, and Dr. Geiser's name is not on these books. I mean, that's, that's how he was. He just gave it to them. He just wanted to make this author a better apologist. And so he helped them out by writing it better and writing it more succinctly and giving it back to him. So he's very, very humble about that and wanted to include his students in, in his writing. And even in his speaking, he would, you're right about the mentoring. He would take a student with him whenever he would go on to debate. A lot of times when he would travel just to speak, if it was convenient, he would take students with him, talk to them in the car, and, and you're exactly right, mentoring them uh, as well. I received a tremendous amount of mentoring for about two years. We did a radio program together uh, here in Charlotte, and we would drive up there together and drive back to the radio station, drive back from the radio station, and he would mentor us in the car while we're going there and, and coming back, and it's just a great experience. I think he retired just this past May, so I mean, he was teaching to the very end. That's how much he loved teaching and mentoring students, huh? Yeah, exactly right. He he really did go right up to the end when it was just uh, physically not not possible for him to really continue any type of teaching. But his heart was there to teach. I mean, that's what he really liked to do. That's what he really um, was interested in doing. He really enjoyed his students and he really enjoyed teaching. Um, in fact, he told me once that he just wanted way before he did that retirement. He told me that he just wanted to retire and just teach and write and do research and kind of just be out of the public office. Or, or, or the Christian eye, so to speak. Um, that's really where he's, his heart was and what he wanted to do. Yes. Well, you know, in his final days, what were his concerns for the Church of Christ? I would say in the talks that I had with him, the final day was just like the beginning days, and it was biblical inerrancy. That was the biggest thing uh, that he was concerned about with regards to the church. It's diminishing biblical inerrancy, it's rejecting biblical inerrancy, or it's altering a biblical inerrancy. And I would say that that's the biggest issue he saw facing the church that he was very concerned about. He saw it as er being eroded within the ranks of evangelicalism. And it, it caused him to start the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy back in 1979, back in around 1980. And for about eight or nine years, uh, that existed, which produced a tremendous number of 
books as well as uh, statements with regards to what biblical inerrancy is and what it's not. And this is going to uh, be with the church going forward, and I think it's something that was near and dear to him. He used to always say, Psalm 11.3, that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And he looked at inerrancy as being a foundation to the church. And if the church thinks or people think that there are cracks in the Bible, that there are even errors in the Bible, no matter how small or how big, then it could be detrimental to the faith of people uh, in the church. And so I think that was the biggest issue. Yes. When it comes to that issue of inerrancy, uh, explain to us what his concern was. You know, explain to us what biblical inerrancy is and, and what exactly his concern was and the dangerous trends he saw, you know, in the evangelical church. Yeah, let me just remind everybody what what inerrancy is. Inerrancy is that God inspired the Bible and through biblical prophets such that they were air-free in what they wrote as the Word of God, as originally written in in what we call the original manuscripts or the original autographer documents with regards to the church. And and then, of course, this is copied for the church and and made known through copying and is spread around. And so these copies that we have preserve this notion of God's inerrant word insofar as they reflect the meaning of the original as it was written. And I think that maybe the best way I can put it or or kind of reiterate um, how it was is Dr. Geiser was very famous for saying uh, this statement, the Bible, which is the word of God, cannot err. And if you think about it, there's three ways to deny that statement. One is to say that the Bible uh, is not the word of God. And he would go, well, what, what Christian indeed would say that the Bible is not the Word of God. And the other way to deny it is, the second way to deny it is to say that God can err, or God doesn't always speak the truth. Well, who in the world would say that about God? And the third way to deny it is to deny both of those, he would say. But if a Christian is going to say that the Bible is the Word of God, and the Christian is going to say that God cannot err, then inerrancy follows from those two things, from those two premises. Um, and of course, all of the doctrine of the Church is built on the Bi- is built and derived from the Bible. So the notion of introducing any error with respect to the Bible, you might say, well, it's minor, like something in science or something in history, but if any error is there, then the doctrines themselves could be an error. And imagine the the virgin birth, the deity of Jesus Christ, the Trinity, all being subject to air. A small crack can just open up, and all of a sudden you've got air and doubt that's introduced into the believer's life with regards to all the doctrines of the Church. And this is why this is so significant. Yes, you know, uh, I just came back from a conference. I was speaking on the transgender debate, and I went through the research that is there, the scientific, the medical research, and all that is there. It comes back down to what was God's blueprint? Well, one man, one woman. That's the only two genders that are out there. And then, of course, that gets challenged. And I have to go always back to that argument that Dr. Geisler taught us, the lessons that he taught us, that we got to end up defending the Bible because it comes back to that. If this is God's Word, then issues like gay marriage, the redefining of marriage, the transgender issue, all those battles that we're facing come down to can we defend the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible? And that's what he did a masterful job on and one of the great legacies he'll leave behind. 
You're exactly right. And, and indeed, uh, you know, as Dr. Geiser would point out, we should care for these people very much. And in act of pointing out what the Bible says about homosexuality or same-sex marriage or, or whatever it happens to be, we're doing it in a loving manner because, indeed, these are views and these are uh, ideas that are harmful to them with respect to their lives. And just as someone uh, that, would, that would have a disease and a doctor would want to bring a cure to it, that's indeed uh, a very similar analogy, um, analogical with respect to what we're doing in trying to help these people and bringing them the truth from God's Word and the truth from reality as well, because the, the Bible and the world are always going to agree with one another. He makes us and creates us a certain way, and that's going to be reflected in Scripture in the fact that what it means to be a good person is going to be evident in the nature of what something is and how it should function towards its goodness, and that's going to be reflected in Scripture as well. And Norm would point these out to us uh, with respect to understanding and, and dealing with these issues and ideas. On a personal side, Doug, what did Dr. Geisler feel were perhaps some of his greatest accomplishments in his lifetime? Well, you know, that's, that's a tough question. And believe it or not, I, I don't think I ever really asked him what he thought his greatest accomplishment uh, would be. Obviously, I think that he, if I could just speculate, he would obviously think, I think, uh, his family, his wife, um, what he was able to accomplish there in terms of his family are perhaps his greatest accomplishments. But if we turn over and go, well, what were academically or what professionally were his greatest accomplishments? And I think even there, I could only guess because I, I never really asked him, but I do remember him telling me, at least up to about the, the mid-90s, that the favorite book he had written was actually this book called, very small book, called Knowing the Truth About Creation. He said it was kind of the most enjoyable book he had written because there's so much controversy, even even within evangelical Christianity. Are you a young earther or an old earther, or what is your view of uh, Genesis here and Genesis there, just all over the place? And I think that he solidified in that, that little book that he wrote on Knowing the Truth About Creation, what is common among all of us, or what should be common among all of us with regards to creation. And I'm not saying that's his most or greatest accomplishment, but I do remember him telling me that that was an enjoyable uh, book that he wrote in up to the 90s, mid-90s, the most enjoyable book. If I could just guess on, on what is the most important or, or crucial book that he wrote, I really would go back, and I'm sure that Many of the students might disagree uh, with me on this, but I really think his book, Christian Apologetics, which is a graduate-level textbook, is just one of the best books that's ever been written on Christian apologetics. If you look at the print, if you get a first edition and, and an edition today, it was first published, I think, in 1976, and it's been in print ever since. And, and, and I think it's 2012 or 2011 that he did a second edition. I just think that knowing that that book is still in print, used in so many uh, introduction to apologetic classes, graduate level classes, even doctoral level classes. Uh, we've used it just as the testimony of, I think, one of the most uh, important books and, and perhaps one of the greatest accomplishments. And then the only other thing I would say, and you, you mentioned it in, in your introduction, is the fact that he started two seminaries. I mean, that's just got to be monumental. Southern Evangelical Seminary was started, and, and then Veritas International University was started uh, by him as well. You know, that's monumental in and of itself. Seminaries are not easy to start and not easy easy to keep going, and, and yet he was able to do that. Yeah, you know, I think maybe number five on that list you gave, I think if we could ask him, and I, and I remember getting into this conversation with him in the car when I was driving him around. I think he would also say his students. Yeah, you know? I, yeah, you're yeah. right. 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as I said before, he, he really did love teaching. He really did love his students. And we should emphasize that it wasn't just in the classroom. He spent a lot of time outside the classroom doing stuff with students, modeling a virtuous life in, in front of them and influencing them in that way as well. And yes, indeed, his students were indeed his trophies. And, and I'll tell you, tens of thousands of them uh, indeed have been left over the years, and they're carrying on his work in, in a mighty way by mentoring others and teaching them apologetics of theology and, and ethics and philosophy, and just carrying on uh, that mantle as well. And, th and that's indeed the way that it should work. Yeah, she said, he who wants to be the greatest shall be the servant of all. And that's what he was. He was a servant to his students. One thing people may not know is that he had a tremendous sense of humor. And a lot of them see him, you know, as a great debater and a speaker, but he had a great sense of humor. Tell us about some of those memorable uh, moments with Dr. Geisler that reveal a side of him that perhaps many uh, were not able to see. Yeah, he, he did. And, and, and perhaps it's best to kind of show that in, in a lot of his what we call geyser-isms that he would say in class, that he would even say even outside of class, use them use them every now and then. You mentioned one of them earlier about putting the cookies uh, on the bottom shelf. And, you know, even his humor was there to back up a point that he wanted to make or to get something across in a way. He, sometimes he used to say garbage in, garbage out. He would deal with one philosophy that would seem to be really good. Students would kind of bite into it, and then he would just show that it's garbage. If you take it in, it's going to be garbage going out as well. And so he would have all these little type of statements like that. We call them geyserisms. Um, a bad methodology always makes uh, for bad theology. But, you know, I'll, I'll give you kind of two instances I kind of found. Uh, quite humorous myself, just to put him on the uh, playing field, so to speak, with the rest of us. I, I remember going to a, a seminary picnic one time. This was probably around 1995, and uh, and Geyser's in his probably in his early 60s, and uh, we start up a, a touch football game, and Geyser gets in. Dr. Geyser gets in, and he's the quarterback. So here he is. Here's this guy in his 60s playing <laughs> playing touch football with guys that are probably in their 20s and 30s and doing pretty good at it. I remember the ball one time went over a fence and Geyser ran over, jumped over the fence just like he was 19 or 20 years old, got the ball, jumped over the fence again and came back in. He didn't tell anybody else to go get it. didn't tell one of the younger guys to go get it that, that I probably would do if I was playing today and just jumped right in and started playing again. <laughs> And I just found that just absolutely remarkable and somewhat humorous and funny. And probably one thing that pops into my mind every every now and then is he used to, in fact, he gave a talk, one, one of his last talks, I think it was about 2017 at the National Conference of Christian Apologetics. And he, in that talk, it was on postmodernism. And in that talk, he gave one of his famous hymns. He would take the words of, of a hymn and turn it into an atheist or a postmodern hymn. The, the hymn was, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. And in that talk, he changed it around to my hope is built on nothing less than Jean-Paul Sartre and nothingness. And I'll tell you, that just, that ruined the song for me. Because every time I hear that song in church now, I think of his lines in there. And I just have to chuckle to myself uh, with respect to that. I first learned under Dr. Geisler there in the doctoral program at Southern Evangelical. And uh, my first day, I, you know, I walked in there and I was just in awe of the man that I had read about and studied so much. I had a million questions for him, but when I got there, my mind kind of went blank. And he, he kind of looked over at me and he said, well, hello. And uh, 
said, Dr. Geisler, I presume. And he said, yes. And I said, you owe me, you owe me big time, man. And he said, what do I owe you anything? I said, in 1989, I left, you know, Hawaii. I left my surfboard, I left my girlfriend, I left my dog, I left my job, I left everything to go to Dallas Seminary to study under you. And he looked, he said, I left Dallas Seminary in 89. I said, exactly. I was wandering around campus like a man without a mission. So I said, that's why you owe me. You owe me big time. And he just looked and said, well, I heard you were coming. So I got out of there. You know? And so that was the first interaction we had. And then when I brought him here to Hawaii, he wanted to go see these Buddhist temples in Hawaii. He was just fascinated by them. And I took him there and there were these uh, Buddhist figures all over the place of the fat Buddha, the Buddha of prosperity. And he was walking around going, hey, that's Ron Rhodes. That's Ron Rhodes, you know, the other speaker, Dr. Ron Rhodes, a top scholar in the cults. And so when he got up to speak, he said, you know, I was touring these Buddhist temples and I was not a believer in reincarnation. But when I saw these fat Buddhas, I thought it's Ron Rhodes. And so he said, I became a reluctant believer in reincarnation. And Ron Rhodes is right there in the first row, you know, cracking up with everybody. And I leaned over to Ron. I said, I hope you have a comeback. And he says, I do, I do, you know. And so we got to see that dialogue between those two. It was just hilarious. But that's a a side perhaps many never got to see. Right, exactly, yeah. One of the legacies Dr. Geisler left behind that you mentioned were two seminaries there. So tell us about those seminaries and the uniqueness of these seminaries. Yeah, they really do carry on uh, with regards to his emphasis in Christian apologetics. Indeed, here at Southern Evangelical Seminary, we carry on his, and we didn't talk much about this, but I think his emphasis and his use of Thomas Aquinas and what we would call philosophical Thomism, in which he taught us not to... um, throw out the philosophical baby, Thomas Aquinas, with Roman Catholic bathwater, is really part of these schools and what they entail is carrying on that, because really it's only this uh, philosophical Thomism that undergirds his philosophy, his ethics, and, and even to a certain extent undergirds his, what we would call prolegomena, or what we would want to study before we actually do theology. It's all there, and it's an emphasis of these schools and continues to be an emphasis of these schools, and it's going to carry on, I hope, for many many, many more years, if, if not for uh, the duration of Till the Lord Comes. So this is the emphasis of these schools, and of course, apologetics, uh, ethics, philosophy plays a role in them as well offering degree programs, graduate degree programs, undergraduate degree programs, and uh, as you mentioned, even at the doctorate level, these programs become uh, very important at that level for professional Christian ministers and pastors. This is the emphasis that's carried on, is is what Dr. Geiser set out, what he modeled for us, and what we will continue forward with regards to our faculty and teaching into the future, and also to even practice that mentorship. I mean, I I have students of mine here that I, I make an effort to spend time Time with them outside of the classroom and to connect with them outside of the classroom and to instill in them uh, virtues that I know that I learned from Norm as well and to instill those in him going forward. And, and so we're, we're not just about knowledge and we're not just about knowing the right arguments, but we're about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord and continuing that on and discipling disciplers, as Dr. Geiser would say, training trainers, coaching coaches and so forth. Yes, you know, one of the unique things Dr. Geisler saw in theological or Christian education is the need not only to have good theology and Bible, but to combine that with good, a good philosophical foundation. You know, because a lot of schools start with the assumption God exists and has communicated through the Bible. 
But when you're engaging in your congregations out there, there's a lot of people asking, well, how do we know? You know, God exists and the Bible is God's. Well, how do we know these things are true? How do we know there's such thing as truth? And I think that combination makes Southern evangelical uh, very unique from many of the other seminaries that are out there. And also, you know, as pastors, we need to address the issues and Christians as well, doctors, lawyers, businessmen, address the issues that are out there today, abortion, medical ethics, environmentalism, business ethics. Those are the things that are unique to some that we really take those issues head on and equip men to engage the ideas and, you know, the key ideas and issues of the culture today. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things we do annually uh, here at Southern Evangelical Seminary is we put on a national conference on Christian apologetics. This year, it's going to be, uh, the, the theme is Why Truth Matters, and it's October 11th through 12th. And this is a really good place to come and get exposure to those who are mentored by Dr. Geyser, uh, those who have studied under him, and those that have been influenced by him. Just a great time to come together and to really get exposure to all of what Dr. Geyser is about and what he's left us in terms of apologetics. Again, that's uh, uh, through Southern Evangelical Seminary, and people can check that out at our website at ses.edu, and there will be a link there to our conference. Yes, and one of the unique things that Dr. Geisler was open to was, you know, use of technology. And so Southern Evangelical has been one of the leaders in allowing distance learning. And so if you're here in Hawaii or in the Philippines listening, or anywhere in the world, actually, If you've got internet, you have access to one of the top seminaries in the world uh, through distance learning. Absolutely. That's exactly right. I have students all around the world in the doctor ministry program. I have a student in China uh, right now, and I've had a student in the Middle East recently, too. So it is possible, no matter where you are in the world, to take classes here at Southern Evangelical Seminary through the Internet, uh, virtual classroom, distance education. You don't have to leave your country. You don't even have to leave your state. We can come to you via the technology that's out there today. Yes, and so although Dr. Geisler is no longer here with us physically, you can still experience the legacy he left behind, not only in his writings and coursework, but through the faculty and the students that teach at Southern Evangelical and really experience things that passion that Dr. Geisler had is felt, you know, throughout the school and throughout his faculty there at Southern Evangelical. Yes, exactly right. Um, we're here. We're not going anywhere. When students are ready to, to come and study, uh, we'll be here for them. Uh, we offer degree programs at the undergraduate, uh, graduate, and doctorate level. We've got something for everyone in apologetics, and we've even got certificate programs. If you're not interested in a degree or you just want to take a class here and there or audit classes, we're open to all of that. We are here to serve the Christian community, the evangelical Christian community, broadly speaking, and we've got something for everyone, and it's certainly overlaps and covers all the areas that Dr. Geyser spoke about, talked about, wrote about uh, for so many years, and and it is the passion of of the people that are here serving at SES, and definitely uh, we want to help out in any way that we can. Yes, and if you apply, you'll probably be talking to Doug. That's right. He's the registrar there. Well, Doug, as we, we bring this to a close, maybe what's one final message you think Dr. Geisler would want to leave us 
here as yeah, we conclude I, the show. I, I think that one of the things I recently wrote a blog on this, but one of the things that I would put out there is that Dr. Geyser really did leave an army of Christian soldiers behind. You may not hear about us in the news, and you may not hear about us in the movies, and we're not going to be popular. And indeed, I would even say that the world is going to reject our message. They may even reject us. But I would say in the spiritual realm, the demons are going to shudder with respect to the truth that Dr. Geyser left, the army that he left that is moving forward, and we are coming, and we are coming uh, to indeed put forward the gospel of Jesus Christ, to defend it throughout the world. And indeed, that is the mission of Southern Evangelical Seminary, to evangelize the world and to defend the historical Christian faith, and we are not stopping. Fantastic. Yes, you know, Doug, I'll be just in a few days going to the Philippines, speaking to thousands out there, literally thousands. Our radio show here that you're listening to reaches millions there in the Philippines. A, a legacy of Dr. Geisler, just as you stated, Doug, a life well lived for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what he was all about. He, he wanted everyone to know that he was driven by a passion for God and his word. And he was simply a servant who was pointing everyone to the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, Doug, thanks for sharing your insight with us on a wonderful servant of God. May many of us uh, follow in his footsteps and be inspired by the legacy he left behind for Jesus Christ. So, Doug, thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers. It's great to be with you, Pat. Thanks so much. And as Dr. Geyser would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Indeed. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. To listen again, head on over to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. If you would like to partner with us, please start with prayer. And then to donate, log on to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study or perhaps hold a conference, give him a call at area code 808-483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at HC mlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.